The Press Start Podcast is brought to you by the awe-inspiring live-action series Halo, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hello and welcome to the Press Start Podcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan, joined today by my fellow gamers and co-hosts, Shannon. Hello. Brody. Halo. And Harry. Hello. <laughs> Shannon, how was the intro the second time? This is our second attempt at starting this recording. Was that enough energy and enthusiasm for you? It was beautiful. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Uh, quick question before we launch in today's show. We've got heaps to discuss with a couple of reviews. Uh, the Witcher 4 in the works. Suicide Squad. Some news about Suicide Squad. I won't spoil what that is yet. Um, and obviously a little chat about the first episode of Halo 2, seeing as they're the sponsor of the day. But first question for you all. Has anyone played Tunic yet? This was a question we had last week. No. No. no Harry, I have you played any? Very interested, but no, not yet. Ah, Okay. So we're going to have to... I've, I've need, seen need James tweeting about you. it. He's he's loving it. I've seen like the cool manual mechanic or something in the game. Excellent. Yeah, it's meant to be in its own language or you, and you work it out as you go or something. It looks it looks super interesting and it's on Game Pass. I've just been busy with other stuff, but I've, just, like, I've definitely jumped into it in the next week or two for sure. Excellent. I, I, you've reminded me of James's tweets. I'm excited to have him back on the show next week and I will quiz him about it then. We will also need to quiz him on his Ghostwire Tokyo review, which would have been awesome to hear from him today about what his final thoughts on that game after he kind of gave us a bit of a preview on it last week. Um, but you can go and rev- check out that written review over on the site, of course, at pressstart.com.au. Instead, though, let's talk about your review, Shannon which was Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And I've seen a lot of positive things about this game already. Were you feeling positive about it too? Yeah, I was really positive about it. And to be honest, it was a score that I was um, I was really sort of tossing up because I know Nintendo can get an easy ride, as sort of you and you and Brody love to sort of throw <laughs> out there at times. So I really didn't know where this one would come down because... It is definitely the best Kirby, like one of the best Kirby games, if not the best Kirby games. But for me, um, it's not as good as like the best Mario 3D games and it doesn't quite go into the territory of like Mario 64 or Odyssey. So whilst it's still really Mm. good, it doesn't really feel like that full step into that territory. It's like a a half step, but I really enjoyed it. Like I highly recommend it to, to, to anyone if you're a platforming guy, like jump into it <laughs> you do a lot of jumping in the platforming game so that's yeah. that's very apt Floating. um obviously one of the big things that was marketed around this game was mouthful mode how did that affect gameplay how much fun was it was it too much of a mouthful i i'm trying that, to find some sort of joke to work in that this. was that was one was of my too much to swallow shannon too much yeah, yeah. was it oh never um <laughs> <laughs> no that that was definitely one of my criticisms like the car obviously was the one that was sort of used as the marketing for that. And in the earlier mm. stages, like you just use it to drive through buildings and stuff. But then like maybe in the second world, you start doing like time trials with the car. Like, so you're essentially in the middle of the, the level, oh. you're just racing and doing time trials. And it feels like that really breaks up the gameplay in a weird way. Like the first time it's fine, but then it happens three, four, five times. And it's mm. like, how do I go from like attacking people and jumping around to doing time trials in the middle of a level? So that felt a little bit disjointed. And I'd say it's similar to like Mario Odyssey in the sense that like some of the power ups felt 
great and others you used for five seconds and they were just completely dumb but it's it's never dull is what i'll say like nothing it's nintendo so everything's super polished nothing feels janky it's more just some feel useful and others do not but it's clever in how they're used like they're only used for for small parts of levels for puzzles and like the car with the, the time trial so it's, yeah. it's fun. It does, I wouldn't say it feels gimmicky. It just makes the levels feel a little bit disjointed and, and gives more to be picked at, in my opinion. Well, we don't the, often... Li- sorry, Brady. No, I was going to just ask. Uh, a lot of the appeal about this game for me, like early on when it was first announced, was that it sort of looked, you know, like really dystopic. Uh, and like, like, do they really make use of that theme or does it sort of feel like an afterthought in a way? Nah, I, that's really just the first world that sort of is is like that then it's very stock standard i wouldn't say stock standard like the second world's like a carnival so it's all carnival based levels then it's like an ice world i would say there's more personality to the and more to the levels than we've ever seen in in a kirby game like they've they've put thought into it but it's definitely not this like dark and gritty kirby story that they made out initially with that trailer no and similar with the open world like there's open world-ish elements to some of the levels, but for the most part, like you're very much just going from A to B in the level. I can't remember what I was going to ask now. What was I going to say? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Not something we often talk about in the show, but like as a family game, which obviously like I assume it would be, like, is is this a good game for kids to pick up and play? Do you think? Like, I uh, I can't think uh, of like too many games like in the family category 100- that have, like kind of come out this year. 100%, like, Kirby games are always easy, and this is super easy. Like I said in my review, I don't know if I died once. I think maybe once, but it, I don't even... It wasn't because it was hard. It was just I fell off a cliff. <laughs> Harry, I'm going to throw it to you as well. Do you have any interest in playing this game at all? Is Kirby uh, Kirby on your radar? I'm very excited, to be honest. Um, Kirby is, like, one of those games that I played as a kid. Like, I have very fond memories of um, Super Star Ultra, um, and... I think some of them, like, not underrated, but most overlooked 3DS games are Triple Deluxe and Planet Robobot. Like, those are, are just fantastic. Um, Star Allies didn't really hold me as much. Um, so, I think Forgotten Land looks super interesting in the way that it's sort of, like, uh, reinventing the wheel. Um, it looks very different. And, and, you know, Shannon saying that it's up there as one of the best Kirby games has me pretty excited as well. Yeah. I Brody, will. Play my- oh, sorry, go, Shannon. I will say you and something you that you'd like and something I really liked is the fact that mm. you can like weapons can be upgraded and evolved, and that part really reminded oh. me of like Ratchet and Clank's insane weapons. Like, you might mm. have like a drill that turns into a pencil and shoots, I don't know, like lead and like other really cool, insane Kirby weapons that I don't think we've seen before. So, really love that, and that's I think something that Nintendo can bring at other publishers just don't. But I wish it went even further than that with some of the things they did yeah yeah it does it does sound like something i would have fun with i need some downtime there's like too just too many games to play at the moment definitely like you and your mom like i think it'd be like i know you asked about family but definitely 100 percent something you can play with family members for sure like the ease it doesn't have co-op though just it does it does it does oh okay cool all right awesome yeah that sounds like a great time actually you know what it's my mom's birthday like in a week maybe i just pick this up for her and i steal her copy that sounds like a great idea Agree. I like it. I like it. All right, Harry, I'm going to come back to you now to hear about the game you reviewed, which was Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Uh, let me start by asking, are you a Borderlands fan? Like, do you have a history of the Borderlands games? Yeah, I do. Um, this is a little bit tangential, but I think, like, most gamers, when they sort of first get into the hobby or whatever, um, they play games that 
inform their tastes and sort of lay foundations for the stuff that they like. Oh, um, yeah. as, as a kid, I played a lot of shit movie tie-in games. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some of them were good, but most of them were bad. Um, I would say it wasn't until I was a bit older that I played stuff that you could consider actually good. Um, and Borderlands 2, I would say, is like one of the first games that properly uh, like informed what kind of games I like. Um, it, mm. it still extends today um, with the stuff that I play, like Destiny and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, like Borderlands 2 is pretty close to me. Um, and I, I played all the games in the series, and I think they're all good to an extent. So yeah, yeah. So with with Borderlands then being kind of so formulative, I guess, like to your gamer upbringing, if that's how I put it. Uh, what did you make of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands? Like, did it very much hit home? Yeah, it was really good. Um, I like it was. It's it's bigger than I thought it would be. Um, I guess uh, I think a lot of people got the vibe that. Um, Obviously, because it's a spin-off, it would be um, much smaller in scale. But no, this is a full game. Like, I think it took me um, roughly 20 hours to finish the main story um, mm. with a, a decent chunk of side content, but definitely not all of it. Um, and there is a really fun endgame mode as well, which is called the Chaos Chamber. Um, I think that, like, if you've played Borderlands before and it hasn't stuck with you because you weren't a fan of the gameplay, like, Wonderlands isn't going to change anything. Um, it's still... Uh, like it's still very formulative like it's still borderlands um just with some new additions that are like fairly substantial um that change up the the formula quite a bit and sort of um separate it from from previous entries i've always enjoyed the gameplay of borderlands games where it's like kind of lost me is like it's storytelling and it's characters like i just kind of find them all super annoying and like none of the jokes like seem to land do you think i stand a chance at enjoying this like taking that into account or is it very much like still true to the Um, the borderlands tone possibly like while i think it is true to the the borderlands tone like like i think universally like borderlands 3's writing was um terrible uh like I don't think. I, it, like, I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Like most yeah, recently, like, having played even that, fans yeah. of the franchise cited that as as just like not only was the humor just not funny, um, but the villains were not very well written. Um, a lot of the big story moments weren't well justified. That sort of thing. Um, mm. I feel like Wonderlands. They really took that criticism to heart. Um, the humor feels um, much more modern. I guess like less stuck in the past. I think when they made Borderlands three, they kind of went, "Oh well, what did people love so much about Borderlands two And sort of replicated that same humor. Um, yeah. When it was like seven years prior or whatever. Um. So yeah, like there's a lot more. I think a lot of the humor lands a lot more here in Wonderlands, but it still is that sort of like Borderlands tone slapstick humor. Um, mm. like a lot of it is really sold by Ashley Birch. Um, she does such a fantastic job as Tina. Um, and she really keeps it feeling fresh. Um, and they also have um, Andy Samberg as one of the main supporting characters. Um, and Will Arnett plays a villain, which is the Dragon Lord. Um, so, yeah, I, like I think people who have been turned off by the writing before, like there is a chance that they can get around Wonderlands, I think. Um, the like inclusion of Will Arnett enough. might wear me back around. I'm a big BoJack Horseman fan. Yeah, and I've just watched Murderville, so I'm I'm pretty in for that, yeah. Brody, I was going to ask you, you're famously a big Destiny fan. Have you yeah. got an affinity with, with Borderlands sort of being another looter shooter? <laughs> um, I'm sort of similar, I guess, to Harry. Like, I, I've played 1 and 2 personally. Um, I didn't like 1 at all. I thought, like, while it's got all that same gameplay foundation, it all does most of the same things in that regard. I thought the storytelling in 1 was near enough to non-existent. Um, but uh, I'm a very, very big fan of Borderlands 2. 
Um, and it surprises me to this day why I haven't tried Borderlands 3, but it sounds like I'm not really missing much, so maybe that was a uh, a good move on my part. But um, yeah, I mean, so I guess I've got sort of like a a lazy affinity to the to the franchise, but not one that sort of uh, compels me to pick up you know these games every other year. Yeah, the Will Arnett thing though does have yeah yeah, and Andy yeah. Samberg, he's uh, he's he's hilarious too so absolutely and yeah they they really do like such a good job of making use of their voice talent like when i first heard about like all the people they were putting into these roles i was like "Mm, like does it need it but it like it definitely works out like i think it definitely pans out in the game's advantage yeah and playing through horizon forbidden west at the moment as well big fan of ashley birch as well and beaten see i'm also playing forbidden west at the moment and it's been (laughs) oh yeah total shell shock it's crazy (laughs) Well, do go check out uh, Harry's full review of Tiny Tina's Wonderland over on the site, as well as Shannon's of Kirby um, and the Lost World. Did Forgotten, I get that right? Land. Forgotten Lands. <laughs> Forgotten, Forgotten Lands. <laughs> well, I got it wrong. I always, I always blank on this. I don't know why. Um, and of course, Ghostwire Tokyo as well. But we'll hopefully have James on next week to hear more about that too. Um, but this episode of the Pressed Up Podcast is brought to you by the original live action series Halo, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. In case you've missed it, the show is based on the epic game series we know and love, following Master Chief defending humanity from the Covenant whilst unlocking dark secrets from his past. Brody and Shannon, we've seen the first episode, and Brody, I'm going to come to you first, avoiding outright spoilers as best as you can. What was your favourite moment from the first episode? Oh, um, my favorite moment, I think, would probably be the intro, like the the opening 20 minutes, I guess. Um, I guess it's probably not a spoiler to say that, you know, the first 20 minutes are probably the most uh, Halo-ish minutes of the the episode, because it's just this outright full-blown battle uh, after the the Covenant invade, like the, um, uh, the people that are, like, taking refuge on Madrigal. And um, it's, you know, surprisingly violent. It's pretty bloody. Mm. And, uh, you know, it leans on a lot of the, the cool tropes from the games. Like, uh, like you can hear, like, the, the shield recharge noises and stuff throughout the fight. Like, all the elites grunting and stuff like that. It sort of, um, you know, felt really typically Halo. But um, aside from that, there's, like, a lot of good... Uh, I feel like the two-thirds, of, like, the second two-thirds of this episode are a bit of a slow burn. But they do a lot of world building and setting up for what I think is to come. But there's a lot of good, like, sort of character moments as well that you sort of wouldn't expect from Halo, which, despite being pretty story-driven, um, uh, has at times struggled with the char- character development. But um, I think it also really nails the music. Like, the music in this episode is gorgeous. Um, so, uh, and that's really punctuated in those sort of uh, uh, moments that sort of show that humanity that's sort of, you know, lurking underneath Master Chief's helmet there. But... Yeah, there's a lot of cool moments in this, I think, that I uh, I think fans yeah, will like. Yeah, you get, like, subtle nods to, like, the Halo theme at times as well, which was, like, super exciting. I was amazed how much lore, like, it started to touch on, too. Like, albeit in the first episode, but, like, already there was heaps of touchstones to the game. Um, on the topic of that, Shannon, um, having played some of the games yourself, I know you're not the biggest Halo fan in the world, but what were you most excited to see in terms of the references to the games? Um, yes, I, I feel like, yeah, Brody's obviously super hardcore Halo fan and I'm probably on the other spectrum in the sense that like I've always played Halo games, but to be honest, never taken this story in. And yeah, I think that right from the onset, there are a lot of references like 
everything from that that epic 20 minute fight in the earlier stages where there's so many familiar enemies like Brody said the the um the the sounds of the guns that are the familiar like the first person moments even though they were a little not not cringy but they were definitely like playing up the games like I thought they were really mm. cool to see and ju- just the world honestly like everything the music and the, the nods to sort of the game soundtrack I thought they did really well to in both the action moments and the, the sort of slower moments to reference Halo and, and Master Chief, but then also I can already tell just from this hour that I feel that there's more of a story here and more to the characters than I feel like have almost ever been developed in any of the Halo games, which is a good thing because obviously there's a lot yeah. to tell in this in this massive world out there. And, yeah, I think it, it's... Even if you're not the biggest Halo fan, I think that that 20-minute fight scene at the start is really going to draw you in, and I can see a lot of people wanting to see where this goes post the first episode. Yeah, it was like surprisingly in your face and definitely one left me leave, wanting more. And I, I like that they're kind of doing things a bit different, taking this story in a bit of a different direction. So yeah. I'm really excited to see where it goes. We're lucky enough that we get to talk about each episode um, for the, the next few weeks at least. So eager to get stuck into more and talk about it as the series continues with you both. But Halo is now available exclusively on Paramount Plus. So do make sure you go and check it out. Let me pivot to a big piece of news that emerged just in the last couple of days, and that is that The Witcher 4 is in the works. Brody, are you excited for another Witcher game, and one made on the Unreal 5 engine at that? Well, I'll answer the first part of the question first. Um, Yes, hesitantly, I suppose. Like, I don't have a huge history with The Witcher. I've tried to play The Witcher 3 a couple of times, and it's... I often get intimidated by how much it seems there is to do in that game. Like, mm. the fact that I played for, like, three or four hours, and I, f- I think I was still in the tutorial. And I was like, yeah, this game might be a bit much for me to tackle at this point. Um, but there's no doubt that it's, um, you know, it's one of the most revered uh, Western role-playing games out there. So um, I would like to think that uh, CD Projekt Red are going to sort of come back after, obviously, the schmozzle that was Cyberpunk and... Uh, do this right, kind of like how I like how there's like all these uh, RPG redemption arcs on at the moment, like Bioware with Mass Effect, uh, obviously these guys with this, and who's the other one? There's a third Starfield, one, but there's the game studios for me. Yeah, anyway. yeah. After yeah. Fallout 76, that's right. So there's redemption arcs all over the place. So I look, I hope so, and I think the sign, I like the fact that they're moving away from um, Red Engine, shows that they know that's probably. Uh, where they're lacking currently and in their ability to move things forward in a meaningful way. And obviously Unreal Engine looks phenomenal. So I'm definitely very interested to see what they do with it and what they produce through this partnership with Epic. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a big part of it, right? Like working with like an, an engine that's got a support structure behind uh, it. And like, yeah, um, yeah, they, that maybe sort of alleviates like some of the, the issues they kind of run into in the past working with their own engine. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, I, don't know enough about game development to see if that really makes much of a difference but i'd speculate um shannon what's your feeling on this game after the the problematic launch of cyberpunk 2077 like you alluded to that there do you this seems like it'll be a while away do you think they can kind of learn the lessons uh it's a it's a bloody hard one i i feel like unlike cyberpunk because there's obviously a lot of people that love the witcher 3 and would it'd probably be their their favorite game of all time so 
whilst I feel like they will be forgiving of what Cyberpunk 2077 was. Oh, God, I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, I, I think they'll... I think people will be more sceptical until the game is there. Like, they won't really buy into one-hour snippets of the game that clearly aren't even the mm. game. And I think they'll wait until they see it. But I also think on the other side, like, CD Projekt know that, A, like, they probably get one more chance following uh, Cyberpunk, but also The Witcher is, like, a beloved franchise that they cannot fuck up. And I think Unreal Engine, them, them moving to Unreal Engine, like, shows that, okay, let's at least get the technical side right because we know we can master the rest of it. Yeah, and Unreal Engine, like, based on the tech demos and stuff we've seen, looks unreal i guess i could say <laughs> um <laughs> so that could, that's yeah uh, that, that's exciting as well for like what it might mean to to the kind of graphics and what they can kind of do technically in the game as well um and yeah i feel like going back to the witcher as well kind of buy some some good faith because it's an yeah. established ip that people love like, um I, and I, in much in the same way that bethesda are going back to elder scrolls like that that game is miles away but just telling people it's like on the roadmap I think yeah. is like somewhat reassuring I, to their fans. If you if you love The Witcher and you played Cyberpunk and hated it for whatever reason, like you're not going to not play the next Witcher just because of no. that. So I feel like whilst you might not have like new gamers like dying for it, like we were Cyberpunk, like I, I definitely think there's going to be a huge. Order. I'd love to be releasing a Witcher game of it, almost any other franchise on the market. Yeah. And Battlefield games come out broken every time, and people still buy them. Um, Harry. What about you? Uh, I was going to ask you as well. Like, how would you like the fourth game to build on The Witcher Three? Like, what what sort of changes, if any, would you like to see? Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard because I feel like a lot of the formative open world games we've seen in open, like in last in the last few years, um, like namely Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild, is what I'm thinking of. I feel mm. like those games took a lot from um, The Witcher Three's success um, in sort of creating these more like natural and diverse open worlds that are less. Less checklisty and more um, dynamic, I guess, um, and emergent. Um, like I think one of the weakest points of Witcher Three is probably its combat. Like I think if they, like it would go mm. a long way to um, make that a bit more complex, um, add a bit more to it in terms of its layers, that sort of thing. Um, but I think like in terms of an RPG, like Witcher Three is like very feature complete. Um, I don't know; it's hard. Um, like I guess they would probably just improve the scope of the world and, and the scope of the game itself. But, you know, that's where Cyberpunk fell victim. So, I don't know. It, it'll be really interesting to see where they take it. Um, like, apart from combat, I can't really think of anything that I personally would want to see them do. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that could, like... I think that could feel better than it did in 3. Um, but, like, in terms of the design and storytelling, like, I thought The Witcher was so fantastic. And, like, the way that they constructed side quests to just feel equally as rewarding as the main quest line to like yeah more of that i i would love um maybe like a bit more kind of variety to the environments as well i suppose would be would be nice but i even saying that i don't feel like i saw all of what the witcher 3 had to offer just given how big the game was yeah um, so maybe that's more on me and like um, it's hard to say like for sure as well because we also like we just don't know anything about the game right like we know that it's mm. happening but we don't know when it's set timeline wise like what witcher school it is i know a lot of people think it's cats because of the medallion but yeah like we know literally nothing um like it like it could be entirely was there a rumor that it was like siri am i even saying that right or is that 
I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I thought Syria was a part of the same school as Geralt, which is the wolf school, and the medallion that was in the image that they showed was the cat school or something. I'm not too intimate with Witcher lore, but I think the you witches sound are... like you know more than I, I do. Know. All I know is that yeah. I remember that they're split up into schools based on animals, right? So which yeah. has uh, Geralt has the wolf medallion, so he's so, from the so wolf school. Is what you're saying though? Like it could be different characters. It could be a different location. set of witches. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. And they do say so it's a new What's sorry, Brady? I so said they do say it's a new saga for The Witcher as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of detached it entirely. Um, and and mm. like, I think that is what I would want them to do. That would probably be my biggest thing to build on is like separate it from Geralt's story because I think that was wrapped up nicely, um, especially mm. after the expansions. Like it doesn't need to be touched. Um, do something new with new characters that we haven't seen before. I think that could be really good for them commercially as well. Like because so many people jumped into the witcher 3 like i i'm one of them but you kind of felt like you were jumping in like with all these characters and established lore and stuff that you kind of just glossed over because you hadn't had that experience with the previous games so i feel like a hard reset and like reintroducing kind of everyone to the world and Witcher like through different characters um would be really quite yeah good for more them. people would be willing I'd to get bring. into it yeah yeah interesting it's gonna be a little while to wait um and we are unfortunately having to wait a little longer as well for suicide squad which received a delay this week brody i'm gonna again come to you first on this one um being the dc fan that you are Mm -hmm. um i know we're generally pretty favorable of delays but how did this strike you as as a surprise at all were you hanging on this one coming out this year um no i mean it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a surprise just due to the uh the climate we're in but also due to the fact that i've found it surprising uh since the gotham knights uh release date was revealed that this might be releasing in the same quarter as it which yeah seemed like a a real risk and that seems like it would have been a bit uh heavy for them to like just jam them both into the q4 of 2022 so i think it makes sense for one obviously being suicide squad to slip into maybe the first half of next year if that's Mm. what they do um so in that sense i think it makes sense in a lot of ways like even if they do need to polish and you know finish the game off properly without uh having to crunch and all that sort of stuff like obviously we're all for that but um i think there's enough coming out at the end of this year to keep us busy so it's while i'm excited for it still i mean it'll still come out soon enough and yeah, that was going to be my question for you, Shannon. Like, does this change your outlook on the year ahead in gaming at all, or are there still plenty of other games you're excited for? Yeah, I, I think not, because I think, um, yeah, there's Gotham Knights, which I'm super keen for, and then Hogwarts Legacy, which is also another WB game. So I feel like this was never mm. coming out this year. And then, yeah, there's, like, God of War and Starfield, if, if everything makes it. Like, even if a few, one or two more of those games drop out, like, it's still going to be a really bloody good holiday season and i think this is coming march to june now which i think it's it's a better period for a game like this to come mm. out for wb as well when yeah. is there a new suicide squad squad movie coming out or has that already come out no uh, that, that there, came out i think there year. will be a new one like james yeah. gunn is working on a sequel but it won't be for a few years no, yeah that's right okay. if, there, if there had been a firm date for this in place then it might have been a bit of a surprise but i think they always had that nebulous 2022 window so like yeah, and, it's, and it's, it was recently omitted from a list of games that were. That's right, yes. and and there's yeah. been yeah. rumors going around for a month or two that it was going to slip. So yeah, hardly a surprise, but yeah. 
Harry, what about you? I know, again, that we're generally supportive of these delays, get, giving the developers more time to work on it and refine it certainly seems to be the case this time as well. Are you the slightest bit disappointed, though? Like, what do you think Gotham, Gotham Knights is going to be enough to get your DC fix this year? Um, no, I'm not, I'm not disappointed nor surprised. Like, I think when they announced that it was due to come out this year, I was a bit doubtful that it would make the cut, um, especially with, with Gotham Knights, which obviously is further along the timeline and is due to come out sooner. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm excited for the Gotham Knights. I think it looks really good. Like that will be um, more than enough to like sort of tide me over until Suicide Squad comes out. Um, and also, like it's been so long since Rocksteady have released um, like a game. Like I, I want them to to take the time that they need to get it right because like they've shown that in the past they can release a real banger um, if they have the time and the resources um, to put behind it. So yeah, I think that's the right move. A banger. I hope it will be indeed. Before we go to what the wiki though, let me ask you guys a quick rapid fire question. Maybe two, Shannon. Maybe two rapid fire questions. You never know. Let me ask you the first one though. And I've asked this before, but I'm curious again. Seeing as Fortnite has been, uh, sorry, building in Fortnite has been removed, would you be willing to give it a go? Brody, no building in Fortnite. Do we jump back in? Uh, It's more appealing to me because I always got. Oh, sorry, this is rapid fire. Uh, yeah. It's more appealing, but no. <laughs> Shannon? If you'll jump back in with me, and then yes. I've got a Mandalorian skin that I'm ready to rock, Shannon. Don't you worry. Harry? If Apex didn't, didn't exist, yes. Mm, that is, but it does. That is a problem. So nice. Fellow Apex fan, I love it. Uh, all right, I don't even know what I'm going to ask, but Shannon, the 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 furry Xbox controllers for Sonic, y- yay or nay? Are you are you a fan of the furry controllers? Do you want to get your hands all over them? I do, just for the content. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> then I'll just spin it. I'll give it to my dog. I feel like the really handy thing if you're eating like cheesels that you can yeah, uh, yeah, console or something, you just kind of give them a wipe on the controller, yeah. problem solved. <laughs> Brody, what about you? Furry no, controller, you like they, the idea of it? Nice make me feel a bit sick, to be honest. <laughs> so, no, no thanks. Uh, and Harry, yourself? I love it. I think we should expand to more textures on controllers. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. Let's do it. I don't know what more textures there would be. Controller with but... little holes all over it. Yeah. <laughs> what for? Yeah. Find out. Is this like one of the like air vented ones? It's got a bunch yeah. of fans and in there to pull your hands. Yeah, as well? exactly. To make it light. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, let's play a round of what the wiki, the press starts podcast game show, where the previous week's winner reads part of Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and we, the contestants, must guess the game. The first to guess two games correctly wins the round and takes home the points. Speaking of those points. James and Brody are tied at the moment on three points apiece on the top of the leaderboard. Then Kieran, myself, and Shannon all tied in second place on a point each. And Harry and Stephen on nil point. Harry, an opportunity for you to enter the scoring and jump right up into second place. And leave Stephen alone on nil point. Leave Stephen alone on zero, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As last week's winner, James ought to be in the hosting chair, but as he's unavailable today, I will be assuming the mantle and taking one for the team. So without further ado... Here is game number one. Critics and fans acclaimed the game, but reviewers noted a difference in the game's style compared to previous installments, associating it with being Neversoft's first development attempt with the series. The game is often cited to be too difficult, creating walls of notes that are difficult to complete, and led to alterations in note placement for future games in the series. 
According to Activision, the game is the best-selling video game of 2007, Brody. both in terms of... Brody. Guitar Hero 3? I need the full title? Legends of Rock. Excellent. Well done, Brody. <laughs> Nicely. He's, he's off the mark. If he guesses any of the remaining Look, games. Brody was the only person in the world that was going to get that game. <laughs> <laughs> all I was waiting for no, was the, the, uh... the nuances of it. He was all over it. <laughs> I'm worried that this is maybe very skewed towards Brody now. I don't oh. know. Let's see how it goes. Game number two. Upon its release in February 2011 for Windows, PlayStation 3, and the Xbox 360, the game received positive reviews from critics who praised its setting... Setting? Yeah, just setting, graphics, action, pacing, and gameplay, but was criticized for its story, writing, and multiplayer modes. It has amassed a great deal of controversy during its release window for its depiction of violence. The game was a commercial failure for both Epic Games and Electronic Arts, selling 1 million copies by 2013. Gearbox Publishing released a remastered version of the game Brody? in April 20... 20- Brody? Is it Bulletstorm? It is Bulletstorm. I was going to say that too. Damn you, Brody. <laughs> well done, Dumb Brody. I thought I was going to catch you out with uh, some like different parts of the Wikipedia pages. Alas. Um, Hate that. Does anyone have an idea what the, th- the theme was for this week? Uh, Hard with only two games. Dumb Brody games. Dumb- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what's, what's, what's the other game? Uh, uh, the other games were Connectimals and Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> what ties together Connectimals, Duke Nukem Forever, Bulletstorm, and Guitar Hero Three: Legends of Rock? Flops. Oh no, Guitar Hero Three wasn't fl- wasn't a flop. Any guesses? Um, huh. hmm, it's, it's a, a tough one. game that a developer made. I don't know. <laughs> the the reference that ties them all together is that they all include references to Halo in some way or another, either be it in the game or like in the advertising for the game. How does Connectables have a reference to Halo? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. I have the answer. Please, right educate here. us. Connectables. A warthog and ghost are featured as RC cars available for the cats to play with. What about um, Bulletstorm? Hang on, let me go up the list. Uh, Bulletstorm, the trailer Last Call parodies believe a marketing campaign for Halo 3. Okay. Shout out to halofandom.com for these (laughs) tidbits. Uh, But with that, let's bring an end to this week's episode of the Press Start Podcast, brought to you by the original live action series Halo, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. We've been joined today by Shannon. You can follow me at shancake underscore on Twitter. Brody. Uh, thank you. You can follow me on most things at Brody underscore DG. And Harry. Yes, I'm at Dooface2, D-O-O-F-A-C-E-2. And I've been your host, Ewan Roxborough. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, happy gaming. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.